You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Clint Wright. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday's service now. So it wasn't too long ago. Um, Clint sends me an email. I think I was at work. It was probably in May sometime. And Clint sends me an email. He's like, hey. Hey, you want to preach again? I, you just, I, I think I just got done preaching like sometime in April. Um, and he said, you want to preach again? And of course, I'm just like, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll do it, whatever I can do to help, you know. And I agreed. And, and then it kind of dawned on me, well, I, I guess I need to see what he said to preach over, right? So, so I agreed. I, hey, I'll preach. And then so I finally got a chance getting around to it. And I looked up and uh, saw the passage uh, that he had me uh, that they wanted me to speak over. And uh, so the passage is this, and we'll read it real quick, and then you'll see sort of the dilemma. It says, uh, Colossians 3.18, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged and Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And in chapter 4, masters, treat your bond servants justly, and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So I agreed to something, and the first verse right out of the gate was, wives, submit to your husbands as in the... I was like, seriously, of all the people that could bring the word and preach, you chose this guy, a 40-year-old. Not much wisdom. I got a lot of gray in the beard, okay? But not a lot of wisdom. Um, but you know what? I, I agreed to it. Thanks, Clint, for allowing me to share. And, and so I struggled with, all right, how do we present this in a, in a world where this is a, somewhat a sensitive subject just because of over time how things have been abused and, and, and neglected, things like that. But really, it's, it's a simple message when you go through the eyes of stewardship. Okay, and so we're going to look at that. But we all know that there are some jokes that are around that we use um, quite often. Um, and one of them is if, if mama ain't happy, nobody's, nobody's happy, right? Yeah, it's funny, ha, ha, ha. And I remember growing up watching the, the shows in the 80s of the dad was always the, the dumb one who sat in the chair, read the newspaper, and the mom comes by and vacuums under his feet, and she's this Susie homemaker servant, and the kids are, you know, running crazy. And, I, you know, it paints this picture, right? Um, and so we always have these stories, and even the, the shows today kind of neglect what true leadership looks like in the home. Um, so I do have a funny story that I, I read from Dennis Rainey. How many of y'all know who Dennis Rainey is? Anybody know that? He's like kind of the marriage guru. He, he and his wife, Barbara, they write articles, and they've been doing this for 30-something years. And it was kind of a funny story, so I figured, you know what, why not share the funny story kind of get things going, kind of get the ball uh, rolling here. So there's a story of a man who died and went to heaven, okay? And he, and he found two signs above two different lines going into heaven. 
One sign said, all those men who have been dominated by their wives stand here. And that line of men seemed to stretch out through the clouds uh, to infinity. The second sign read, all those who have never been dominated by their wives stand here. And underneath the sign stood one man. So this guy goes over to the man and grabbed his arm and said, what's the secret? How did you do it? That other line has millions of men, and you are the only one standing in this line. And the man looked around with a puzzled expression and said, Well, I'm not sure I know why. My wife just told me to stand here. <laughs> you know, the whole who, who wears the pants in the family, you know, we have all these different jokes. But the bottom line is we can laugh about that because we know it's kind of blown out of proportion a little bit. Um, and I have some things that I, I've learned over time of being married, and there's been some funny vows that I've read before. And one of the things I wanted to share with you this morning was um, many say that marriage is, what, 50-50, right? Um, and it's easy. Why, right, Brittany? It's easy. Marriage is easy. Um, you cook, I eat. Um, you wash, I wear it. She's getting clammy. You shop, I pay for it. Wait, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but no, for real. The other day I told my beautiful wife, Brittany, hey, just embrace your mistakes. And she was moved with tears and she walked right up to me and gave me a huge hug. It was great. <laughs> she loves me so much, right? She loves me so much. Um, listen, the last piece of advice I'm going to share, though, this is going to go to the husbands real quick. Um, to keep your marriage full of love, whenever you are wrong, just Admit it. Okay? Whenever you're wrong, just admit it. And whenever you are right, you shut your trap. Don't say nothing because you're going to get in trouble. Just being real. Run and go the other way. Just kidding. All right. So we're going to look at this message through the, the, the eyes of stewardship, through the lens of stewardship, being a good steward. Um, the, this context is, if you read, I don't, my, my book may be a little different than yours. I'm a New King James Version guy, um, and it talks about, you know, the eyes of, you know, the, the Christian home. We're going to look at this through the stewardship of the Christian home. And so we're going to kind of go verse by verse, but first thing we need to do is look at, see what stewardship is. We've always heard, hey, be good stewards, be good stewards, and we always think about money, right? But it's more than that. So I have a few definitions. Um, the definition of stewardship is the job of supervising or taking care of something. Biblical definition would be utilizing and managing all resources, that, all resources that God has provided for the glory of God and the betterment of his creation. Psalms 24.1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. See, we have been made stewards of things on this earth. We know that money is one of them. We know that our marriage is one of them. Our job is another. And one of the biggest ones I think that's kind of hit home with me during this time of looking at my role as a husband, as a father, as an employee was time. Time. That's something we've been given. And guess what? We can't buy more time. See, we have this idea that because we buy a car, we buy our house, we buy a new boat, we buy this, we buy that, that it's ours, that we did that. But honestly, God has entrusted us and given us everything. So the bottom line is I've never seen 
a U-Haul behind a hearse. So you can't take those things with you, okay? So it's important that we are good stewards with what, he's been, what has been given to us, okay? So everything we, have been, everything we have has been entrusted to us, and when we realize that it's not ours, it's his, then we can truly be free and operate in this world. So we're going to look at this through the eyes of stewardship. Stewardship begins where you are with what you have. Begins where you are with what you have. Stewardship is not dealing with what you don't have. Okay? And so what, what I mean by that is, I got to go back to the garden on this one. Adam and Eve, they're sitting there. A great relationship. Walking with the Lord. Everything seems to be going great, right? And then Satan comes in and kind of stirs up a little seed of discontent or of doubt. Did he really say to not eat of all the trees? Let me look at all of these trees. Looks good, right? And so then they started doubting. Well, maybe not. Maybe, maybe you'll be enlightened. You just take a bite. It'd be okay. It'd be fine, right? And from that moment on, that seed of doubt, that seed of doubt, I don't want to say it destroyed everything, but focusing on what you don't have can ruin or lead to a disaster. And from that moment on, it ruined a perfect, peaceful walk with the Lord. And things would never be the same. So, are we good stewards? Are we faithful? Your faithfulness must be where you are and where your feet are. So, be faithful with what you have. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 says this, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. So, how can we be good stewards in the home? Well, first things first is we have to be united from the very beginning. Now, we all are from different backgrounds. We've all um, made different choices, some bad, some good. But from the beginning, we have to have certain things in order. What is the one thing that we can focus on and be united about in the home? And we're going to start with the husbands and wives. One thing we can be focusing on right now is the common denominator of Jesus. That's the main thing. So if we want to make sure we're good stewards, we have to get right with God. Okay? If one is off, the other's off, nothing's going to work out right. It's going to be a disaster. Right? So focus. Today I want you throughout this whole message, whatever God has given me this morning, just be focusing on your relationship with Christ. Be focusing on your relationship with Christ. And I love what Clint mentioned a few weeks ago, and it really hit home with me. Um, it said, is Jesus a supplement of your life or is he the substance of your life? And I think of supplement, I think of like supplemental incomes. You know, we have our full-time job and then we have a little something on the side that brings in a little bit of extra money, right? It's just on the side. So is Jesus something you do on the side on Sundays or occasionally at work when somebody mentions, you know, I don't know, a song maybe. And, oh, yeah, that's a good song. It's about Jesus. It's great. Or is he the substance? Is, he, is it I wake up every day and I can't live without worshiping him or without praying to him, reading his word? I can't do things without him. That's what convicts me so much. The number one thing that's going to convict me today and has convicted me is my relationship with Christ. See, there's a, there's a vision I remember seeing when we were 
doing our premarital counseling and things like that was um, you have a man and you have a woman and you have this pyramid, right? The triangle. And the closer you get to God, the closer you get to what? Each other. So that's a perfect principle. If I'm not focused on my relationship with Christ, I'm not going to be close to my wife the way I'm not going to parent the way I should. I'm not going to be a good employee. Just not. It all comes down to our relationship with Christ. So at the foundation of your relationship to your spouse, if Christ is the common denominator of both your lives and the foundation in which you want to build your relationship and your home, then the closer you get to Christ, the harder it will be for Satan to gain a foothold. Steve, I almost did it. I almost flipped like two pages just now. That would have been bad, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Barry said it last week. Evil always looks to gain a foothold and will never, ever give up. Evil, we're talking about Satan here, he will never give up. He looks to find his way in. So we, may, we must be on guard. Barry said it, we have to be on guard. So in my perspective, we have to be on guard and continue to go up the pyramid. And the easiest way for him to gain a foothold is through disunity. So if we're not united about one in particular thing, that Jesus is Lord in our lives, Jesus is going to be number one in our marriage, there's going to be disunity. And what does disunity look like? Psalms 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds it, builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And I want to give you this. God keeps the city through the house that he builds. As go the family, so goes the city, the country, our schools, our world. The first institution created by God was between a man and a woman named Adam and Eve. It was their marriage. Two became one. Two became one. God reached into Adam's side, pulled out that rib. Remember, it's his side. Pulled out the rib he looked at Adam and said, Adam needs something. He needs, what is it he needs? He created Eve. And two became one. Unified. Two became one. Side by side, they would help each other. They would become helpmates. In other words, if I do it the way God has told me to do it, we're united. Brittany and I are united. And if I win, she wins. If I lose, she loses. If I hurt, she hurts, right? So there is a design and a model for our homes, and it's reflected in Colossians and Ephesians and throughout Scripture. There's a model to follow, and if we set aside our stubborn ways, our ideas that we've learned from the past that probably aren't fully correctly uh, in place, but we decide to put others' needs before our own, like Christ did, then we can overcome Satan's schemes. Barry ended with this scripture last week that whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. So let's look at Colossians 3, 18 through 4, 1. Uh, we know that this is, um, that was a long introduction, and I apologize. But I want to make sure you see things through the lens of being a good steward. God has given you a spouse, possibly. God has given you kids, um, children. You have an opportunity to please the Lord, which is obeying your parents, 
We're going to look at different scenarios, different descriptions here. And I hope that it paints a picture that, you know what? If I will just focus on my relationship with Christ, Jesus will take care of the rest. Sometimes we look at things through the lens of, oh, man, I wish my wife was here to hear this, right? I wish my kids were in here so they can hear this. But what do we need to be focusing on? Not them. We need to be focusing on ourselves. And I find myself getting convicted a lot of times when Clint and Mark preach. Sometimes I think, man, I wish so-and-so was here. And then I go, what are you thinking? You need this message more than anybody. So I'm preaching to myself this morning. This is just something that God's kind of shown me. Hey, look at it through this way. Look at it this way. God's given you a lot. He's given you much and much is required, and I have to be a good steward. So let's focus here on what Paul opens up Scripture with, and that's submission. Um, wives submitting to their husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Fitting in the Lord. Is it pleasing to God through submission? And I get it. There's a, it's a controversial verse in the world and culture we live in today. I get that. This does not mean that wives are, are to obey their husbands. I grew up in a situation where that probably was more of the model, but it wasn't the correct model. Because remember, he pulled the rib from Adam's side. They're one. They're together. They're helping each other. That's the importance of understanding what that word means. Um, like I said, it doesn't mean to obey. Sorry, fellas. But it's to voluntarily submit. It's her willing choice to trust to trust and to put her needs aside as is fitting in the Lord. Now, you're going to hear me say that over and over again on this. Wives submitting to their own husbands is one aspect of their obedience to Christ. Christ gives us a model here. Submission does not convey inferiority. You're not inferior, but it's used in a manner of putting others' needs first, which, by the way, is commanded to all believers. Not just the wife. Husbands, you have to put your needs aside and focus on your wife, your children. You have to be in tune with your family. Christ was submissive to God's will, right? Even to the point of death on the cross. So how do I submit and what does that look like? I thought Barry did a great job last week. I thought, man, I got I to gotta throw this in. I got to find a way to do it. And I get it. It's a lot of scripture that I'm going to be throwing at you. But if you're in doubt of what to do, go back to Colossians 3.12. Okay? Start there and go all the way to 17. It tells you a few things. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just going to hit a few words. Okay? The first thing is, is put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, if you don't know what to do, do this. Put on a compassionate heart. Okay? Be compassionate. Be kind. Be humble. Meekness. Patience. Bear with one another each other's burdens. Forgive each other. Because God forgave us, right? But above, but all, above all of these things, put on love. This is what binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. And the last thing was 17. 
Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I read a definition, a Hebrew word of submit, and some of the verbs that were used here was apply, serve, present, and being near. What does that mean? Apply this in your life, okay? Application, we have to apply effort into our marriages. We have to serve one another in love daily. We have to be present, not just in the house. We have to be present in communication. We have to be there, communicate with our spouse. Husband to wife, wife to husband. And be near. Marriage is about being near to each other. When the Hebrew definition is applied, submitting to our spouse feels like the recipe for a thriving marriage relationship. So today I want you to commit to serving one another. That's one thing you can do right there is commit to serving one another. Put the other person's needs first. And I get it. Especially in our world today, we have a natural tendency to focus on our needs. We, we do. It's thrown down our throats every day. You get on Facebook, you look, every ad is about me, 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 making me better. It's all about me, my wellness, my this, my that. And we tend to not focus on the other person or our children Okay, and when we neglect those things, things happen, all right? And I promise you, I'm, I'm right there with you. I struggle with it too, putting my needs um, aside. But I'll say this, in, 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 when it comes to submission, I like what John Piper said, and I, I quote him, and I don't think it's going to be up there, but it said that a wife should never follow her husband, though, into sin. Husbands, if we're taking the time out daily to grow closer to Christ, and we're doing things fitting to the Lord, pleasing to the Lord, it's going to be so much easier for our wives to submit. Okay? It's going to be so much easier. So you may not be sure what to do still in this situation here. We could sit here and we could preach for years on submission and love and putting others' needs first, right? Be in agreement that Christ is Lord. Strive to get closer to Him daily. And I'm speaking to the wives and the husbands here. Be a good steward of your husband and wife and apply compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgive, put on love. And I'll say this, to reject that wives are to submit to their husbands is to simultaneously reject that church, that the church is to submit to God. Because you see the pattern, you see the pattern of our relationship and he gives it in Ephesians 5. We'll read that here in a minute. But it's about Christ, how Christ loved the church. Right? So we're going to look at that. Right now, let's look at the husbands. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Husbands are the head of the wife like Christ is the head of the church. Again, this is our model. And it comes from Ephesians 5, 23 through 25. It says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In other words, he died, right? He gave his life. And I like how it goes on in verse 28. We'll skip to 28. It says, same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but we nourish it, we cherish it, 
just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Consider your wife's interest as your own and apply those principles like I mentioned earlier, compassion, kindness, humility, and put her needs first. Now, let's look at it. The Bible clearly affirms the equality of men and women. Don't jump that. You go to Galatians, you'll see it. I think it's Galatians 3 something, okay? But God has assigned the responsibility of spiritual leadership in the home to the husbands. But I am thankful that my wife takes up the slack when I fall, right? Because we're going to fall. We're all going to mess up. But it's our job, husbands. It's our jobs to lead well. It's our jobs to love well, each member of the house. But one thing for sure, you better love yourself enough to be focused on Christ so that you can love your wife well. You can love your kids well. If a husband and wife have a healthy relationship, they make decisions together as equals. Tasks are dealt out based on strengths and weaknesses. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a math guy at all. So I'm thankful I have a brilliant wife who's very good at math. So when it comes to finances, she can add and subtract a lot better than I can, I promise you. I promise you. But ultimately, we know that Christ is our example to follow. And I'll say, I'll say this. He was a servant leader, a servant leader. So in coaching the world, in the coaching world, when I was a coach, I wanted to make sure I was serving my players, serving my school district, being a servant leader. You know what? There's a piece of trash. I'm going to pick it up because it's the right thing to do. I'm not going to do it when people are looking. Hey, hey, snicker wrapper right here. I'm not going to do that, right? Being a servant leader, what does that look like? Man, I'll be honest with you, I'm not into washing people's feet, but Jesus did it. And if the king of the world can do it, maybe I should look at his example, right? So we must be in tune with our family's need. As a servant leader, husbands, we have to be in tune with our family's needs. Each member of our household. But I will tell you this, focus on our wives and their needs. Do we know what their struggles are? Do we know what they get excited about? Do we know what they're stressing out about? Are we that in tune? As men, we need to provide certain things. I'll say this, if we, we could just apply grace to some things, that would be really good. It would be very helpful in the family, right? We're to supply physical support, obviously, encouragement, Protection, help, we are to defend our homes, but we have to be ready to lay down our lives for those that God's entrusted to our care, right? So how do I do that? Number one, your relationship with Christ has to be strong. If that's not in tune, all the other stuff don't matter. What example are you really setting? Anybody can go and pump weights and be strong to defend, right? But what are we setting an example of for our children, right? So our relationship with Christ has to be strong. We have to balance our commitments. We have to be proactive if problems arise. If we see something, we see like Satan's getting a foothold somewhere, we need to be ready, right? We need to be ready to pounce. We have to have integrity. And I love what this said right here. 
We have to be the safest, the wisest, and most respected man your family has ever known. That should be our goal. To be the safest, wisest, and most respected man your family has ever known. I promise you, if your relationship with the Lord is correct and it's right, that'll happen. You may not be the toughest, but they will look at you as a man of integrity, and that's important. That's the kind of man I want to be. And I promise you, I am not that man right now. I promise you right now. And I guarantee you, my kids could attest, my in laws could attest. My wife better not attest to that. Just kidding. All right. That all seems great, right? And you're up there. Hey, you're up there. You got the mic. You can just say what you want. And it's not easy. Marriage isn't easy. Neither is being a dad. It's not easy. Not when the world, the world example that we have to follow is not easy. In fact, the world tells you, eh, put your knees first. That's all you need to care about. It doesn't work out. I've, I've done that in the past, and it didn't work out very well. Okay? So let's look at it uh, once again. I'll say this. Wives, yes, submit. It would be a lot easier to submit to your husbands if all that stuff. If you have, but it doesn't say submit to a perfect husband. It doesn't say love a perfect wife. It doesn't say those things. We all struggle every day that we get up. We do. I struggle. I'm struggling right now, probably. <laughs> if I sit there and think about it, I promise you. But I'll say this, if a wife submits, gentlemen, it is to the husband's love, not his tyranny. So, what about bitterness? What about this bitterness thing? I believe it's 38, or chapter 3. Let's see. And I lost it. Anyways, don't be bitter towards your wife. What does that mean exactly? How do you not be provoked to anger towards your wife, right? Um, What's well, simple. Don't don't sulk, don't, be, don't grumble, don't lash out at your wife's momentary lapse in character or submission. Paul recognizes this, that if bitterness is allowed to reign in your family and taint the relationship, the whole household will suffer. So we, as husbands, focus on ourselves, pour into our family members, be on guard to protect from Satan's schemes, we can sit there and, oh, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. But remember, if you're a good steward, you're going to be where you are with what you have. And I think it's our job to do our best to be good husbands and good wives. So let's move on to children. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Children, kids, you thought you were off the hook. But guess what? If you want to please God, obey your parents. But once, like I said earlier, husbands... Wives, you don't submit to your husbands unto sin, right? So children, there's some, there's sometimes if it's not pleasing to the Lord, you probably shouldn't obey. But like I said, if mom and dad are working towards God and they're setting that model and that example, it's going to be a lot easier to obey the parents. So kids, don't forget to obey in a healthy manner especially with parent behaviors that are pleasing to God, not this idolatrous or immoral demands of parents that we see. And we all are guilty sometimes. We all make dumb decisions. And fathers, husbands, I'm beating you up. I get it. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. What does that look like? If we're spiritual leaders of the home, we have models to follow. The scriptures are there to help us. 
I think of Deuteronomy. You can go back to, I guess it's Deuteronomy 5, maybe even chapter 6 there. Train our children up, right? Teaching them the scriptures. We have to be stewards of our children because God gave them to us. And just remember this. I read the, uh, how many of y'all read Purpose Driven Life? Back around 2001, 2002, I think is when it came out. And it was like the big deal. And it's a good, it's a good book. And I remember one chapter, it talked about love. How many y'all remember the love chapter? How do you spell love? You remember? Y'all remember? Nobody remembers? You go back and read it. The best way to spell love is T-I-M-E, time. So you want your kids to feel loved? Spend time with them. Pour scripture, pour godly things into your children. That's how we do it. It's not foolproof. That's not to say your kids aren't going to mess up. Because you mess up, your spouse messes up, it's going to happen. But one thing you can think of is time is of the essence of raising our kids. So when we don't want to provoke our children, don't be discouraging. It just means to be fair, to be firm, be consistent, especially with how we discipline our children and how we live our life. So we don't want to have a double standard, right? We don't want to become hypocritical because that's going to drive them away from God. You're supposed to be a godly man, but you do this. No, be the example, right? Can't have a double standard. We have to be honest. We have to be vulnerable when we mess up. Dads, we have to be vulnerable. We can't be too manly to be vulnerable and shed a tear, okay? We have to be vulnerable. We have to let our kids know, man, I, I messed up. I did. I punished you way too harsh. It probably wasn't deserving, right? Punished? I just, did it sound like I said punch? <laughs> that may happen too. <laughs> I said punish. Sorry. It's East Texan. East Texan, I'm a country bumpkin, I'm sorry. But I'm trying to prove a point, so y'all just listen. Kids, quit laughing. We have to be honest and vulnerable when we mess up or we fall short. We don't just do that with our kids. We got to do that with our spouses, right? And it goes both ways. Husbands and wives, we have to be vulnerable and confess our sins. We have to confess when we mess up. So how do we steward and master the art of training up our kids, right? What's that look like? Go back to the pyramid. Remember Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Be compassionate, be kind, be humble, love. Be imitators of Christ and teach the word in your homes. Don't make it just to be a Sunday event. Listen, we don't worship God at home okay it's only at church on Sundays don't let that be the way your kids grow up learning about Jesus that it's only on Sundays and Wednesday nights we've all fallen into that trap at times especially when the hustle and bustle gets to us from our jobs and school and activities and we forget but I'll ask you this is Christ the supplement or the substance of our life that's the convicting thing for me. So the greatest way to show our love, like I said, is through time. Now, let's move on to outside the home. Remember, Satan wants to jump in and destroy the home because if he can destroy the home, he can destroy the community, he can destroy our country, he can destroy the world that we live in. He can do that. 
We have to guard against that. But what do we do outside the home? We can still be a godly example outside the home. And he talks about bond servants or slash slaves, right? So we're going to focus that in, through the lens of being an employee, right? You, everybody has a job. He says to do everything as unto the Lord so that you may not receive the reward on this earth, but in heaven, which is eternity. We might not get the reward from doing a great job here. You might not get it here. Sorry. But if you're doing it for God, God's going to reward you somewhere down the line. And I hope it's just well done, good and faithful servant. I hope that's what it is. I'd love for him to <laughs> hug me and go, you did good, buddy. You did good. Be faithful and sincere when you work. Um, I've been guilty to do things when I, I know the boss is walking around to pick up that piece of trash, right? I've been guilty to do things for eye service or to work for them and not the Lord. I've been guilty there. That's, that's me speaking. You may not. Y'all probably haven't, but I've been guilty there. But a friend of mine's dad was a lot. He was, he was a father figure for myself. And I remember him taking us out into the woods, um, and I don't remember what we were doing or why we were doing it. I, I can't remember. I think it was right there at, like, graduation or something. And there's about three or four of us guys got together. He said, I want to take you all on a walk. And he walked out there, and he talked about integrity. And he gave the definition of doing what's right when no one else is around. Doing what's right when no one else is around. So in the workplace, we have to have integrity. We have to do something. If the job needs to be done, you just do it. You don't worry about people looking at us, but you do it because it's the right thing to do. And we can model that in our homes. We can model that in our workplace. Work for the Lord. And if you are discontent, like we all get sometimes in our workplace, I get that. Sometimes we need a change, correct? But be faithful while you are working there. And if something comes up, another opportunity, be faithful there as well. Have integrity. He who does wrong will be repaid for wrong. Remember that. That's just, that's not there for no reason. Masters, let's talk about you guys, you bosses that are out there. You're stewards of your employees. God's given you workers, right? Give your employees what is just and fair, knowing that you all serve a master in heaven. And we know this. We know we serve the Lord, right? We can all agree upon that. If we all agree on that, things are going to be good, right? And just remember this. So I'm going to recap a few things. I know I went through that really fast, and I talked about wives and husbands mostly, and I spoke about the kids and how to parent and try to be good fathers and things like that. But let's recap real quick. Don't forget, remember, the closer you get to Christ, the closer you get to other members of your house. Be good stewards with what God has given you in your care. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Put other needs before your own and examine the areas that you are failing. Like I said earlier, many might be focused on their spouse right now as they go through this, but focus on yourself. Focus on your relationship. You may be the problem in the home. You ever thought of that? I know that there's been times when I've been the problem. But I'll ask you this. Clint, thank you for the word you shared a few weeks back. Is Christ the supplement or the substance of your life? 
Have you stewarded or managed well? Fix your relationship with the Lord and be amazed at what happens next. And just remember this, our spouse's failures do not release us from the commands of obedience to Christ. The demands of obedience in our relationship to Christ. It should be mirrored in our relationships to each other, our kids, our place of employment. And I'm going to leave you with just a few affirmations. Husbands and wives, this is for you. But it's also a way you can actually implement this into the home with your kids as well. So take this for what it's worth. I'm not going to read all of them, I don't think. I don't remember how many I have. We may not even put them on there. I think I may exit out. But just say this. Just, just do this. Here's some things that you can do in the home that I think would work wonders. Um, one thing is you could say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You can humble yourself to do that, whether that's to your spouse, to your kids, to your employees. You can do this. You can say, I'm proud of you because... You can come home and you can say, you know what, I'm proud of you. You've done a great job. You could say, I love you because. Thank you for being someone I can love and respect. You could say, hey, you look beautiful. You look handsome. Our kids are lucky to have you as their parent. How about this? What do you need from me right now? In times of trouble and you know your spouse is struggling, what do you need from me right now? And how can I help you take some of the burden off of your shoulders today? So with just a few of these affirmations, if you would just apply that to our lives, things will be so much better. Because what happens here is you stop focusing on yourself and you focus on what God's given you. A spouse possibly, kids employees so i hope you've got something from what i said today i know this life isn't perfect we all come from different backgrounds i mean if we could all have a marriage like paul and patty kill i think we'd be all right i told you i was going to use you I told you <laughs> we all come from different backgrounds we all have different examples i didn't have a good example of a what a godly home looks like I did we, we were kind of the supplement category I think I had a very spiritual mom I didn't have a good example of what a marriage should look like you know this is here for a reason it's all here for a reason it's not easy to apply but I promise you it gets easier if we can fix our relationship with Christ so when you leave here today be thinking about what you can do are you the problem? Are you part of the problem? Is Jesus a supplement or is he the substance of your life? And the closer, if you struggle right now with your spouse, if there's a struggle there, come to an agreement that Christ has to be number one because there's power in agreement. There's unification through Christ. You're not going to get it through the world. We can't look on the other side of the fence and just hope, man, Grass is greener over there. You have to focus where you are with what God's given you right now. So focus on that today. Go home, chew on that a little bit. What can you do through Christ that'll make things better? Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. If you have questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.